Hello and welcome to the Euro Trips Across the Pod podcast. We are here for another one of our season predictions and this time it's the turn of one of the first team of that amazing AFC West division. I'm here to talk about the Los Angeles Chargers and with me, I've got all the way from America, I've got with me Chargers fan Tyler. How are you? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Not bad. Of course, me and you date way back in the day. We've known each other about a year and a half, I say, two years. We used to write for a website we can't mention. Um, and yeah, so it's nice that we finally met over Zoom. Yeah, man. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked that I haven't talked to you for a while. I mean, you were supposed to come out to, to San Diego last year and you never ended up making your trip out. Uh, so yeah, man, I'm excited to kind of get back in touch with you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we... Um, always like to talk about NFL as much as we can. But yeah, I was meant to go last year. And then obviously the the variant came in and I just decided it probably wasn't worth it. But it's annoying because that game I missed against the Giants was that one where Herbert threw that amazing touchdown, like one of the best throws of the entire NFL season, arguably the best. And um, Traveled like 68 yards through the air into the arms of Jalen Guyton while he's getting hit. One of the most insane plays uh, I've ever seen of any quarterback ever to be able to to do that all arm strength no no mechanics of any sort and just get it and let it sail that was that was probably one of my favorite plays of the season yeah and so when I was watching it on red zone I'm thinking oh no I've missed an absolute wonder here because most games I've been to have been very sort of there's not been a lot of great action it's been sort of very one-sided affairs but that would have been by far the best I touchdown I've seen live if I had gone to that but Hopefully this year when me and you go to the Dolphins game, one more mention later on today, hopefully we'll see some good action. Hopefully we'll see a Dolphins win, but a part of me thinks I won't see a Dolphins win, but you never know. No. You never know. <laughs> we'll see, though. We know Tyreek Hill. We're, we're very familiar with him from yeah. his time with the Chiefs, so, uh, and he hasn't always had his best games against Chargers, so. Yeah. Well, we'll mention that later on when we go through our season predictions. But first of all, we like to ask every new guest reasons why they follow the team they do. I mean, you're our first American guest on the podcast. So if you can tell the audience what made you a Chargers fan. Right. So I played football in high school. Um, I was the Ukaipa Thunderbirds. We wore blue and gold. Uh, if you look at the, the that kind of like kind of crosses between each other. Right. Uh, and then San Diego, which is where the Chargers used to play. Uh, was only like a two-hour drive for me. We didn't have an L.A. team at the time. The Rams weren't there. Uh, the Raiders had been long gone. Uh, and then the next closest team to us was probably like the Cardinals. So really, the Chargers were the only team that were within striking distance of me. Uh, San Francisco is like a good seven, eight-hour drive. Uh, so really, our home team, uh, all of Southern California, really was a Chargers. Uh, and then like you come into you know, my fandom, probably started around 2004, 2005, 2006, when I was, you know, a, a freshman um, in high school type of thing. Uh, and those were some great times for the Chargers. You're talking about LaDainian Tomlinson. You're talking about um, Sean Merriman. Uh, we're talking about Antonio Gates, uh, Philip Rivers, and Drew Brees were there at the time. Uh, and that's, you know, that's when LaDainian Tomlinson had his uh, career year where the 31 total touchdowns still a career record nobody's even really gotten close to uh, really since so uh, my fandom really just stems from you know that era of Chargers history and then as I grew older and I started to learn more about the history uh, the Don Coriel era um, you know the that that whole 
history of the Chargers coming from the AFL into the NFL merger. Um, there's a lot of rich history with the Chargers. Junior Seau is a legend here in San Diego. Uh, probably one of the nicest guys you would have ever met before his untimely death. Um, yeah, it's just, it makes me proud to be a Chargers fan, just learning about the history and kind of what San Diego, uh, what what the Chargers meant to the San Diego population before they ended up moving, uh, which brings to the, the heartbreak of when they moved to LA, which is kind of like a rival city for us. Um, only two hours up the road, but at the same time, you know, that that's a big rivalry. You'll see it a lot in baseball with the Padres and the Dodgers. Um, so, but yeah, it's, it's the team that I've been following since I was in high school. Uh, I started writing for the, for networks about them. I wrote my magazine about them, which we'll talk about later. Uh, I have my own podcast about them. I'm a season ticket holder. Uh, this is my second year as a season ticket holder. And I just, I like the team. I like the players. Um, I even like the front office. A lot of people don't like Tom Telesco, their general manager. But Brandon Staley is a coach that you can get behind. Uh, they always seem to bring in um, high character players for as long as I can remember. Uh, the Chargers have always had real high character players. Yeah, definitely. And of course, you mentioned that you're a season ticket holder. Of course, the last two years, it's been in a new stadium, SoFi Stadium. What stadium that is? But someone who's been there week after week and or someone I'm going to the stadium with, what can you tell me, but also the audience, about what a game day experience is like at the SoFi Stadium? So I've been to Qualcomm Stadium, which was in San Diego, and I've been to SoFi Stadium. SoFi Stadium is, it's a place that you walk inside of and you're just in awe. Like the the amount of, I mean, it's a $5 billion stadium. Like they spent a lot of money and it's, I don't know if you've ever been to like a big city with skyscrapers and you're walking, and you look up and you just have that feeling of all, that's kind of what SoFi Stadium is like. Um, it's a beautiful stadium. On game day, you can make your way over to uh, Thunder Alley, which is a, a large tailgate, a uh, bunch of free food, free alcohol. Um, the Die Hard Bolt Club, which is a, a club I'm working to actually join, um, do a lot of events, a lot of charity events. They'll give out jerseys and stuff out there. Um, and then when you get into the game, you have this ginormous video board. Uh, it's very, very famous, the Samsung video board. Uh, and it wraps around the entire field, essentially. Uh, and it's really cool because you can see it from anywhere uh, in the stadium. Uh, I actually have eight seats total at the stadium, which is kind of cool. Uh, they're not all located near, near each other. I've got four kind of right next to each other and then two in two different spots. My goal is to eventually consolidate them into four. Uh, but essentially, I started up in the nosebleeds. I ended up making my way into kind of the end zone section, which is really cool because I'm really close uh, in the 200 level. But when the ball's on the opposite side of the field, the players are really tiny. And then I finally was able to move into the, the middle of the stadium. Uh, tickets are, are um, season tickets are pretty much sold out. So it's really hard to get really good seats. And I was lucky enough to come up on them actually just a few days ago. I ended up just um, purchasing those, those final four. But the atmosphere is awesome. Uh, the food probably could be a little bit better for, you know, the, uh, the amount of money that they spent. Um, but it's, it's stadium food, right? It's your typical stadium food everywhere. So, but it's a, it's a, the, the sounds, the, the fans, um, Chargers fans are growing. Anybody who follows the Chargers know that the Chargers don't have the biggest fan base. 
part of that's because they did burn a lot of their bridges when they moved to San Diego, but the atmosphere is great, man. And it's a lot of fun. I love going to Chargers games. Well, I certainly can't wait to be there with you. I'm really looking forward to going there. Of course, my last day on my trip as well. So it'll be sort of a great way to end my trip, watching my team play in an amazing new stadium like the SoFi in a place like LA. I think it's, it's pretty special. Um, Talking of special, a pretty special off-season for yourselves for the Chargers. No real major outgoings, only real Brian Belaga and Jared Cook, but the incomings have been the main one. Sebastian Joseph Day's come in, Troy Reed has come in, Gerald Everett's come in to replace Jared Cook, but the main ones are Cal Van Noy, JC Jackson and Khalil Mack. I mean, that's an amazing array of players that have come in. Um, also, draft-wise, you brought in Zion Johnson, the guard, in the first round, 17th overall. The safety, JT Woods, 79th overall, and then 123rd overall, running back, Isaiah Spiller. I mean, what an off-season that's been for you guys. How would you assess that for your team so far? So we're not used to, to splash plays. Uh, Tom Telesco, the general manager, usually he uh, we call him Coupon Tom, right? Because he's always finding players at a bargain. That's kind of been his nickname through his tenure here with the Chargers. But over the last two seasons, he's made some pretty high-profile signings. You look at from last offseason, Corey Lindsley. He made Corey Lindsley the highest center, uh, paid center in the entire NFL. Uh, and then a couple other small uh, players. But this year, uh, they re-signed Mike Williams, their star wide receiver, who really took a step forward into superstardom last year. Um, you're talking about J.C. Jackson. J.C. Jackson, in my opinion, is a top-five cornerback. And we got him at a bargain I don't have his contract details up right now, right now, but it's it's kind of a deal. I think he's like the eighth or ninth highest paid cornerback. Um, you talk about um, the trade for Khalil Mack. Uh, so Khalil Mack was the highest PFF's highest graded edge rusher in 2020 before last season when he had that uh, serious ankle injury that required surgery that knocked him out. You pair him with Joey Bosa, and that's probably one of the most dangerous pass rushing duos you're ever going to find. Um, historically, I can only think of like DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller as being like that top elite edge rush duo. So that was a lot of fun. Um, they also made some, some under the radar signings. So one of them being Gerald Everett, the tight end who played for the Rams, uh, last season, he spent some time with the Seahawks, uh, but he's got real run after the catch ability. He's much younger. Uh, one of those uh, breakout candidates, one of those players who hasn't really had the best quarterbacks. He's been stuck with Jared Goff. And then last year, he uh, he only got a little bit of Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson sat out half the year due to, a, I think it was like a broken finger or something like that. But him being able to play with Justin Herbert should really improve uh, his play overall, especially when you look at all of the offensive playmakers the Chargers have on the offensive side of the ball. He's not going to be asked to do a whole lot. Um one of the other under-the-radar signings, Bryce Callahan. Uh, Bryce Callahan was one of the highest-graded slot cornerbacks in the NFL from, like, 2016 to 2019. Had some injury issues over the last couple seasons, but he's he's graded out as one of the best slot defenders, and nobody's really talking about that guy. Uh, Calvin Noy, you were just talking about, a real cerebral player, one of those smart players that you can really play at multiple positions. Uh, he plays linebacker. He's going to play edge for us, but in a pinch, uh, due to any kind of injury, he can move to linebacker. And he's just one of those really smart, instinctual players uh, that really bring that veteran presence to their defense. Um, I think those are the, the major ones. You're talking about Sebastian Joseph Dave, been one of the better 
um, uh, run stuffers in the NFL from the nose tackle position. They also brought in Austin Johnson, uh, who was a former second round pick for the Titans. Uh, he's on a two-year, nine million dollar deal, I believe. Um, and then uh, they they have some depth at some other positions as well. Um, they brought in a kick returner, punt returner, DeAndre Carter. Uh, they signed a uh, former six-round draft pick, J.K. Scott, for to be their team's punter. And they also brought in a Pro Bowl long snapper. So they, they went real heavy in, in free agency for the first time um, that I can remember. And, and not all these guys are getting paid top dollar. Uh, some of them took a pay cut to come play with Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley. Yeah, I mean, this brings me on to my question. Looking at your depth chart now, I mean, Elsie Evans, Justin Herbert... Austin Eckler had his best year last year in his career. Keenan Allen, everyone knows how good he is. You mentioned Mike Williams, Gerald Everett. Defensive line, you got Sean Slater, who was one of the best ones coming out of college last year. Corey Lindsay, you mentioned before. And then defence, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, JC Jackson. You got It's an amazing, amazing teenager you've assembled. And I think that's why you are definitely one of the dark horses this year for the Super Bowl. But is there any area of this team you would say... That needs improving, or is there a weakness with this team? I'll spit it out as fast as I can. Right tackle. Storm Norton uh, was the Chargers starter last season. Um, Brian Bulaga was supposed to be the starter. Uh, he ended up playing, I want to say, like 15 snaps before he went out. Like one series, basically. Uh, which is basically what he did the year before. He, he really burned us. He signed a three-year, $30 million contract two years ago. Um, that's pretty good money for uh, an offensive tackle who's 31 years old. And he ended up playing less than 500 total snaps over the, the two-year span. So Storm Norton was one of the worst graded um, offensive tackles, offensive linemen, starting offensive linemen last year. Just did not play well, gave up a ton of sacks, a ton of pressures. And the Chargers, only place that they were not able to upgrade was at that right tackle position. That said, uh, their former third-round pick, Trey Pipkins, who was beat out by Storm Norton last year, uh, has been working with the offensive line guru, uh, Duke Meanyweather. Uh, you don't know who Duke Meanyweather is. All the top uh, offensive linemen go train with him over the offseason uh, to get better. Rachel Slater uh, worked with him during the draft. Um, Odeo Bushi, who was the Chargers starting right guard, ended up working out with him uh, before his injury last year. Uh, and he's just known for developing players. That's like what his bread and butter is. So there's a high probability that uh, Trey Pipkins uh, is going to end up beating out Storm Norton to win that right tackle position. So that's the goal. Uh, that's the plan. I think that they tried to upgrade the position, but they just couldn't pull uh, any offensive tackles into this team that fit within their, their price range of what they were looking for. Um, they're paying a lot of money the offensive line. You've got a former first-round draft pick, Rayshon Slater, uh, Matt Filer, who is a veteran. Corey Lindsley is the highest-paid center. you got another first-round offensive lineman in Zion Johnson. I think when you just look at the, the amount of money you're paying to that position group, they just couldn't find a player that fit into their uh, their budget. Yeah, and I think as well, if you can get that position sorted, it'd be great because, I mean, Herbert was the 16th most sacked quarterback last season, so even without, even with Storm there, they still managed to keep him fairly protected. So I think if you can get a good right tackle in, I think, goodness knows what your potential could be for your team. I think that could really send you guys up and above. Um, oh, but for sure. Yeah, without doubt. And I think that it's Justin Herbert for me, 
his name will ever haunt me as long as Tua doesn't perform. That name will always haunt him and haunt me because that, that'll be the like Trubisky with Patrick Mahomes. Or I think that's going to rain yeah. over Tua's head for the whole of his career. And Herbert's had one of the best first two years you've ever seen for an NFL quarterback. I mean, the records he set in his first two years is quite incredible. And I think that for me, the sky is limitless for that man. I think. I think he's Rivers, but even better. I think he's an even better version of Phil Rivers. And Phil Rivers, one of the best callbacks of his generation. And I think Justin Herbert, I think already is up there the same level as Philip Rivers. And I think he could be the man, personally, I think that could take you guys to that next level. And I think getting him sixth overall, especially someone that everyone thought maybe wouldn't be a good player. There was quite a few bust concerned when he first got drafted, but... He's proved everyone wrong. His first two or three games, he went, he dueled against Patrick Mahomes, against Tom Brady. I mean, these are elite quarterbacks. You know, the crazy well, thing, like, the craziest thing about Justin Herbert was how he became a starter, right? So our former starter, Tyrod, John, uh, Tyrod Taylor, uh, had a punctured lung, like they were giving him a rib block, right? And he punctured his lung before the game. And Justin Herbert was told with minutes before the game starting, hey, you're going in and you're our starter and totally caught everybody off guard. It was a big game. It was against the Chiefs. Uh, and it, it was just crazy the, how that whole scenario worked out. And he ended up playing lights out from the very first game on. Really, he's had like two bad games, right? It was the Texans game last year and it was the Patriots game where we got blown out like 63 to like three or something like that in, in his rookie season. Outside of those two games, he's played phenomenal. Yeah, and looking at his records now, he's got the most touchdown passes through the first two seasons of any NFL player in NFL history, and the most passing yards through the first two seasons of any NFL career, most completions in the first two seasons. He's got the Chargers already. He's got the Chargers single-season record for touchdowns, passing yards, and also completions. So it's quite incredible. Someone who, um, Anthony Lynn, was sort of, if he was sort of hard knocks, he was sort of insistent on her, but being a backup. I, I just read the thing what would happen if he stuck with Tyrell Taylor and that puncture lung had, hadn't happened to him because he may have been a backup for the whole first year, but he would have still, I imagine, still become. You know, I'm so bitter at Anthony Lynn for, for what he did there because the only record Justin Herbert does not hold, the only rookie record, is most passing yards. Mm-hmm. And if he would have had that extra game, he would have owned every rookie record. And then just, I was just, uh, I just kind of did this the other day um, over a 16 year season, right? If he continues averaging, I think it's like 4,600 yards a season, he'll already be, he's already on track to be like fifth most all time in 16 seasons. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. I, I think that he will. I think he will. I mean, that division's hard, but I still think that he will be you know, someone that, will be seen as when he when his career ends, unless something goes horribly wrong for him injury wise. Um, I can see him being in that sort of that. Type Have you of seen how much bigger he's gotten since his rookie season? Yeah, he's, uh, he's so skinny. Yeah, he's definitely eating his Wheaties. Uh, <laughs> the dude is definitely he's he's bulking up, so that's only going to be good for his health long term. Yeah. Um, other top talking point is Brandon Staley, someone who impressed me in his rookie year as a head coach. Uh, one thing that got a bit of mixed response with his aggressive style of play. We look at the amount of timeouts he's, and everyone always goes back to that Raiders game when he used that timeout towards the end. 
But what have your thoughts been on Brandon Staley in his first year as a head coach? Uh, I love the aggressive style of play because I think he's consistent with it, right? Uh, he's got an identity. The team is bought into it, which is the most important aspect of that. Uh, if you're going to be aggressive like that, you, you have to make sure that your team is going to be bought into those decisions, right? And you're talking about the timeouts, and I, I don't think he's had timeout issues. I think it was really just the Raiders game, that final game of the season. But in his mindset, like he's playing for the win, right? Like nobody wants to tie. And while, you know, the Raiders came back and said, oh, hey, you know, if he wouldn't have called that timeout, we would have let the clock run out and both of us would have gone into the playoffs. But as a head coach, you're not thinking like that. As a player, you're not thinking like that. Like nobody thinks that you're playing for the tie or the opposite team is playing for the tie. He was making a decision based off of win and you're in, lose and you're out, right? And that was the, the, the mindset of the game. And he didn't know that Rich Piscotta, I think is his, the Raiders head coach, interim head coach from last year, he had no idea that he was going to try to run out the clock. It's not like they, you know, signaled to each other on the sidelines, like, hey, we, we good? We doing this? Right? Like, that, that didn't happen. He's playing for the win. He made the correct decision, regardless of the outcome, because the Raiders should have been playing the win. They shouldn't have been playing to tie. Nobody plays to tie. Right? So I'm gonna let's just get that out the way. <laughs> Number two, the fourth and Staley thing, I love. Like I, I love the aggressive nature, except when he's doing it from his own. Like there was a couple times last season where it was like fourth and eight, and he's on his like own 35 yard line and going for it. In situations like that, your offense is already stalling. Um, I think you put in those types of situations, if it's, you know, fourth and two and you're kind of in a long field goal range or something of that nature, then maybe you go for it more often than not in those situations, but it's all analytically driven decisions, right? He's not just making these decisions out of nowhere. He's doing it based off of data. What are the probability of your chance of winning if you convert here versus not converting here? And if that probability is high enough, they're going to go for it. Uh, I just think that he gets more aggressive in situations where he still has a long field to go. Uh, and I think that potentially you might see a change in that a little bit because you've got four defensive players who are have top 20 odds to win defensive player of the year. J.C. Jackson, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, and Doran James. Four players with legit chance to win defensive player of the year. And I think that when you have stars on that type of defense, you can be a little more conservative. I think he's still going to be aggressive, but you can, you can punt the ball away with the expectation that the opposing team is either going to stall or you're potentially going to get a turnover. Um, and I think that last year with the issues you had, especially with the run defense last year, being one of the worst graded run defense in the entire NFL last year, uh, I think that he felt like he had to go for it a little bit more in those situations. Um, but if, if the Chargers are generating turnovers, which is what Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, JC Jackson, and Derwin James do, then I think that you can punt a little bit more and have a little more, um, confidence in your defense, right? Yeah. And we've seen as well, even with the fourth and Staley going, going back to that Raiders game, so many times that game Herbert would be on fourth down and he would make the play and he would get them for a first down. I think that. 
if you're going to do it, you've got to have a good callback to do that if you're going to be aggressive like that. And I think with Herbert and an offence like he's got with Eckler and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, I think that it's perfectly doable. And I think even though I'm myself, I'm probably more of a fan of being conservative and kicking it away. I can see why he's doing it because that came so close to getting him in. So the yeah, fair play, I like Staley. I liked him even at the Rams when he was working there as one of the coaches. And I think he's coming to the NFL and I, I do think he is, um, he is really good. And I think he's going to be another one of those head coaches like Mike Rabel, like Mike Tomlin, uh, obviously people like Andy Reid and Belichick, they're going to be there for years and years. And I think he'll be, still be your head coach in the next 10, 15 years or more. I uh, I really like Brandon Staley more than just the X's and O's. Like he's a defensive mastermind. That's what he's known for. That's his bread and butter. But really, I think that to be a, a head coach in, in any, for any organization, whether it's uh, football or football or uh, basketball or MLB, whatever sport you're playing. And if you're a head coach for that organization, you have to be a leader of men right? You have to be genuine. Your players have to be able to buy in and have trust and faith in you as a head coach. It's so much more important to be um, to be a leader of men than it is to, to have the, the best knowledge of the game, right? And I think that when you hear him talking in, in press conferences and interviews, you just hear he, like, he's a really genuine person. He really cares about his players, cares about his players' families. He's a family man himself. Uh, he had the whole cancer scare um, kind of before his whole coaching uh, experience there. Um, overall, I think that what really makes him special is he's just such a genuine person. Uh, the football side of things, you can kind of push that off onto your offensive coordinators and your other coaches, right? Your job as a head coach is to make the final decision, the final say-so, but you can leave a lot to, um, to the teaching points to a lot of your coaches. Uh, as as the head coach of a football team, you're in charge of so much more than just the game day atmosphere. Um, you're in charge of your your players' mental health, right? Uh, and I, I think he takes a lot of that really seriously. Definitely, definitely. So now it is time for the final segment of our podcast. And as you know by now, it is the record predictor. So I will give Tyler every game, game by game across the season, and he'll give me whether he thinks they'll win, lose, or tie, which I know you guys aren't a fan of. Um, week one, at home, opener against the Las Vegas Raiders. Win, loss, or tie? I think that this is going to be a home game. I think that the, the Chargers and the AFC West could really potentially split each and every game. But I'm going to give them, because it's a home game, because it's week one, because the Raiders have a new head coach, I think that the Chargers are going to win this game. Fantastic. And it carries on. Again, your division opponents, uh, this time on the road um, against the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think the Chiefs are a high-powered offense. I think that they've got continuity under Andy Reid. Uh, and it is in uh, Kansas City. I'll have us probably splitting games. I'll have them lose the first game. And this is going to be on Amazon Prime Video. This is a, a Thursday night football game as well. Ah, yeah. It was the one they mentioned on the draft, wasn't it? The one they announced... In Vegas, right? It was the first game announced of the season, and then week three gets easier. You home game against the Jaguars. Uh, that's definitely gonna be a win without a doubt. Yeah, that's one probably one of the easiest ones of the season. Speaking of which, I guess even easier, you could argue, on the road against the Houston Texans. Uh, that is a revenge game. <laughs> they embarrassed <laughs> us last year. That is definitely gonna yeah. be a win, and that's not just gonna be a win, that's gonna be a blowout. 
I'm going to call it like 37-3. Wow. That'll be some scoreline. Um, week five, uncertainty of quarterback for your opponents on the road against the Cleveland Browns. So I think that this game depends on Deshaun Watson. Uh, I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to be available at that time, if at all this season. Uh, if he's not available, this is definitely a Chargers win with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. Um, there's no way Deshaun Watson's playing that game, so I'm not even going to entertain it. And, and I know from experience from last season, if you got Brissett as your starter, you aren't going to win many games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, week six, back against the division opponent, this time the Broncos at home. So Wait, the Broncos... At home, uh, I'll have us winning this game as well. I think we're on a hot streak. We've won, what, five games in a row now, four games in a row. Um, yeah, that's probably going to be a win for us. And in week seven, another home game, this time against the Seattle Seahawks. So Drew Locke is not a good quarterback at all. Uh, I think that the Seahawks are in transition right now. I think really what you're seeing is kind of an easy start to the schedule, which is really going to boost us and get us on a roll. Um, we're definitely going to, to to win at home against the Seahawks. Uh, and who knows if DK Metcalf's even going to be in that uniform this year. There's been a lot of trade talk going on. Yeah, I think he's someone that seems very hungry and I can't see him want to stay around if he's going to be playing for mediocre quarterback. I mean, they may get someone like Garoppolo or maybe they might get someone in the next draft or they might trade for someone. But I just think that they are a team that I think Pete Cowell's offensive team's getting a bit stale. Now. I think his style of play is getting a bit sort of old-fashioned. So I do fear for them as well in that sense. But I do think that, yeah, he may want to move because if someone like the Ravens come calling or someone like the Packers come right. calling or even the Chiefs or someone who's a Super Bowl contender like that, um, I think he'll want to, you know, he's, he's such a good player. He'll want to be winning rings. He'll want probably the money as well. So I do right. think that, do watch out for that. And Debo Samuel, but I, I think he'll stay because the 49ers will probably do quite well this year. He'll probably be fine where he is. They're, not letting, they're not letting Debo go. There's no right. way they're letting Debo go. They already shut the door on all of that. Yeah. And there's been almost no interest since they pretty much shut the door on that. So yeah. he's, they're, gonna, they're going to work on a long-term contract. They're not going to play him at running back like they did last year. Really, that's the next game we're talking about. It's the 49ers game, right? Mm-hmm. Or actually, we're on the... Oh, you got one before okay. that. So you got the bye. We're talking about eight. the 49ers here in a sec. Yeah. Um, so week eight is a bye. And week nine, before you played the Niners in week 10 on the road, another road game in week nine, but against the Atlanta Falcons. So I was just talking about this being like a real easy schedule coming up, right? Uh, the Falcons really are, are lacking for um, uh, skill position players, especially on the offensive side of the ball. They do have a really good cornerback in A.J. Tyrell. Their defense is starting to come together a little bit. Grady Jarrett's still one of the better interior defensive tackles. But I just don't think that this offense has the firepower it needs to keep up with Justin Herbert and this high-powered Chargers offense. Uh, that's going to be a win. I don't even think it's going to be close. Yeah. They're fair enough. I think they'll be one of the worst teams this year. Um, now we are on to the Niners game on the road in Levi Stadium. How do you see it going? So this game I have us dropping. Uh, the 49ers are a really good football team on offense, on defense. Kyle Shanahan is probably one of the best offensive minds in, in, a, in the football right now. Um, I think that they're really going to be struggling early on with uh, Trey Lance as their starter. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be starting for them this season. Um, 
I think by week 10, I think he'll have gotten things figured out. He'll, he'll have been in the system long enough, two years, essentially. Uh, he'll have shook off some of that rookie rust. Um, and I think that this is going to be a real fun game. It is on Sunday night football, so it is a primetime game. Chargers already lost one primetime game this season. Uh, I don't think that uh, if there's a game that we're going to lose, I think that this is going to be one of them. Fair play. Week 11, it gets just as hard at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. So we get kind of lucky with the Chiefs because we do not play the Chiefs in the cold this season. Uh, We played in week two. Um, I think that we're going to get a little bit of revenge in this game. I don't think that the Chiefs are as good as everyone says that they are. Losing Tyreek Hill was huge. Losing Tyran Matthew was huge. They're, they're heart and soul of their defense. And I think their defense is really suspect. Um, I think that we're going to end up winning this game, but it's going to be a tight game. Yeah, I think you're right. I think for me, the loss of Matthew, I think, is more crucial than the loss of Hill because I think they brought in Juju Smith-Lewis, who I think personally is going to have a real bounce-back year. Away I'm really looking forward to seeing Juju play with a quality quarterback for the yeah. first time since Roethlisberger was five years younger. Yeah, I agree. And I think that Matthew, I know they brought in Justin Reed, but Justin Reed is not Tyron Matthew and he's not going to be anywhere near as productive as Matthew was. So I think that the defense is probably their weakness anyway. And I think they'll still be good on offense. But I do think that that'll be their weakness. I think, I think they'll still make the playoffs. I just can't see them getting to the championship again. I think they'll make it to the division, divisional round maybe, or maybe the wild card round. I just can't see them making it all the way to that AFC championship game because loss of Hill and loss of Matthew is two massive Massive components to their team and to lose both of them and not really replace them. Yeah, it's really strange when you look at their roster because they still have some really good players on defense. They're just all really, really young. They drafted Trent McDuffie and George Karloftis, who are really young studs. Nick Bolton and, and Willie Gay at linebacker are some studs there as well, but they're also very young. Their oldest and, and their defensive captain is going to be Chris Jones, who is a really, really good player. But overall, the, the, that whole side of their the ball is probably like two or three years away from being like studs. And they are going to be a really good defense. It's just going to take them a while to learn how to gel. Yeah, I agree. Um, week 12, back on the road, this time against the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals are a good team. Um, I think they're going to figure out their thing with Ken, uh, Kyler Murray. Um, they're going to they're gonna lock Kyler Murray down. There's no way they're going to let him go. He'll get, end up getting franchise tagged. He's going to have a lot to play for. Their offense has a lot of speed. They are a speedy group of guys. You're talking about Rondell Moore. Uh, you're talking about um, the Ravens wide receiver that they Marquise traded for. Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Marquise Brown is super fast. And then by that time, um, uh, D hop will be back from his suspension. Uh, that team is going to be on all cylinders. I think they got a really under-the-radar defense as well. Um, that That's a good team. They're going to be a, a real playoff contender, a real Super Bowl contender in th- this coming season. So do you think that's going to be a win or loss? I'm going to have us dropping that game. Okay. Week 13, on the road again, this time to the Las Vegas Raiders. We're sweeping the Raiders. I don't care what anyone says. We're going to sweep the Raiders. We're going to win both games home or away it doesn't matter this one's going to be away uh i think that they have some firepower on offense i think that their secondary is really suspect their whole defense really uh outside of their defensive line is is kind of suspect max crosby probably going to get two or three sacks both games 
outside of that though that 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 that's going to be a sweep okay and then here's a big one week 14 against the dolphins one that mean you'll be side by side against watching How i really i really like tua I think this is also a team that has a lot of speed. You're talking about both um, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Uh, I think Mike Gesicki is probably one of the better tight ends in the NFL. Defensively, uh, they got some stars. They got some players. I think that it's just such a – the coaching staff is new. Their offensive line has a lot of new pieces. Um, I think that they're probably a couple years away from being real competitors in the AFC. It's, the AFC is, is stacked top to bottom. I don't even think that the Dolphins are going to make the playoffs, but I still think that they got some really good pieces there. But there's a lot of dysfunction in the organization too. So we're going to win that game. Uh, it's going to be like a 24-17. It's not going to be a blowout by any means, but I think they're at least a couple years away from being real contenders. Fair enough. Um, week 15, once again at home, this time to the Tennessee Titans. I don't think that we match up well with the Titans. Um, the Titans are a ground and pound team. Um, they ended up letting go of AJ Brown. It doesn't matter. Brandon Staley plays a light box. Like he plays five players on the defensive line and one linebacker, and he's not going to be able to do that. And I don't think that this defense is equipped for a Derrick Henry. Um, we're probably going to lose this game just because we're not going to match up very well against their front offensively. Um, defensively, Kevin Byer is really, really good safety. Like he is phenomenal. Uh, and I don't think enough people are talking about that. And they got a really strong defensive line. Um, we're probably going to end up dropping the Titans game. They're, they're a really good team. Okay. Sticking with the AFC South in week 16, you're on the road against the Indianapolis Colts. Once again, I don't think we match up well against the Colts. I think they have a really, really strong offensive line. Um, they lost, uh, some players last season um, from their offensive line. Um, I still think that they can be really good. I think that Jonathan Taylor is just a stud running back. He's a young, hungry guy. Uh, they have they lost their defensive coordinator. I think he is now with the Giants. Um, Eberflus? Oh, the, um, is it the Bears he's with? I think it's the Bears. Maybe the Bears. Yeah. I think he went to the Bears. You're right. Uh, still, I think that's going to be a tough game. It is on Monday night football. We have to win at least one primetime game. Uh, I'm going to have us winning that game. Okay. So that means with two games left, um, the first one is week 17, the Los Angeles Derby, you could say, against the Los Angeles Rams. Battle for LA. This is going to be on everybody's radar. Everybody's going to be watching this game. Sunday night football, primetime game. Uh, we need to win this game. Uh, I, I really do believe we need to win this game because we need to, to get some of that market share in LA. They just won a Super Bowl. Um, I, I, I think they lost Von Miller. I think they lost some key pieces to their, their team. I think eventually all of these draft picks that they've been trading away is going to hurt them financially. Eventually that bill is going to come due. Um, I don't think they're as good as they were last year. Cooper Cup, phenomenal player. They got some good running backs there. Um, I, I just don't think that this is a year for them to repeat. So, so I'm going to have us winning that game. Okay. Final game on the road against the Denver Broncos. We're going to drop this game. So this is going to be in Mile High Stadium. It's the final game of the season. At this point, 
we may not even be playing all of our starters because I think we've only lost four games up to this point. Yeah, so so far that means your record will be twelve and five if you lose this game. Twelve and five. I think that's gonna be pretty good for a um first round buy. So there's a good chance that we may not even be playing all of our starters. If this is a game that we are looking to to win, uh, I still think it's gonna be really tough playing a mile high. You're talking about um a team in the cold. The Chargers are not from the cold. It is a division rival. Um, and when you're playing up at high elevation, it's really, really hard on, on the players um, just from a, a, um, a conditioning standpoint. Because when you're playing up in high elevation against a team that's used to doing it, you're going to be dead tired. Um, that's going to be a really tough game. I think Russell Wilson is the piece that they were missing. They've got some pieces um, uh Javante Williams is probably one of the best up and coming backs. Uh, Jerry Judy is going to be unlocked by Russell Wilson. Uh, they have a really good defense still. Um, I, I probably have us drop in that game. Okay. So that does mean a 12 and five record, which as you said may well be mean the first one by, if not at least the you know, home advantage in the um, playoffs in the wildcard round. So in terms of the playoffs, if you really get there, how far do you see this team going when you get to the playoffs? I think, at least on paper, this team is a Super Bowl caliber team. We're very deep at just about every position group, um, from Jamari Sawyer on the offensive line and Storm Norton, who has you know played as a starter for a full season. Uh, you've got an extra running back there now that we just drafted with Isaiah Spiller. Um, our secondary, it's really confusing who's going to be making the, you know, 10 DB spots that we have available because, I mean, we are deep all the way through and deep teams have a chance to go all the way all the time. We're not in any shortage of superstar caliber players. I think we can go all the way this year. And I'm not just talking as like a fan. I'm talking like legitimately, like we have all the pieces in place uh, to contend. So that's, I, I think that we can go all the way. Of course, if you would be your second ever appearance in the big game, and if you want it, it'll be your first ever Lombardi Trophy. So, as someone who has a soft spot for this team, I think a lot of people do. Um, it would be quite nice to see a new team go all the way and win it. I'm tired of seeing the same teams every year competing. So, it'd be nice to see like a Chargers against I don't know the Cardinals or Chargers against even Packers because of Rogers. It'd be nice to see two teams that have never won it before. So, probably. Chargers or Bengals against the um, Cardinals would be a nice a nice matchup. Cardinals would be a nice matchup. I think in the NFC, I mean, the NFC is not that strong. Um, I don't care what team makes it there. I just don't see mm. the NFC being strong enough to, to carry a Super Bowl when you're going to see the AFC teams playing each other in their own divisions, and they're super strong all across the board. Uh, that's why I do believe that a 12 and five could potentially get you a first round buy, which isn't normal. You know, most teams go 13 and three or something and get that buy. Mm -hmm. I think a lot, there's going to be a lot of splitting of games, um, occurring in the AFC and 12 and five might actually get you into that first round buy, especially if you're losing to NFC teams like the Cardinals, like the, um, the, uh, 49ers, right even the Rams, right? So, you know, it really just depends if, if the Chargers can win all of their AFC matchups 
and we do not have a very difficult um, I mean, you saw that run there where we go on like a six or seven game win streak there. Um, I, I think that that'll be enough to get them into that bye. Yeah, I mean, to have in the space of seven games, um, aside from Denver, to have Jaguars, Texans, the Browns, who will probably be playing Bissett, the Seahawks and the Falcons, that's a really good run up and that's a really good run to have midseason before then. A quite tough run down the stretch. I think that's going to be a crucial a really kind favor for you. Um, but it's that is build a lot of momentum, right? Like that should build so much momentum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without a doubt. I think that's, you know, you get five, six wins under your belt and then you go up again. You've already played two division rivals and the Broncos, or three of them in the first six games. You've already got those games coming in as well. I do get you that experience in the tough games and playing these big teams. And then You'll, you'll then have that five-run spell, get the wins under your belt, including a bye week, and then you'll have this this um, tough run against the Niners, the Chiefs, the Cardinals. Um, I think that will set you up well. The Rams, for the, yeah. the Rams as well. I think that will set you up well, not only for this, but also when you get to the playoffs. You've already played these big teams. You've already played in these good, in these against these tough opponents. You'll know how to play them because you, you'd think the Denver Broncos will be make the playoffs. You'd think... You know the Niners, not the Niners. They're not in the AFC, but like the Charge, the, the Chiefs, and the Cubs, and both of them will already be in the there's playoffs. Gonna be, imagine. There's going to be some really good AFC teams that don't make playoffs. Yeah, I do think that ten wins may not get you in the playoffs. Whereas most years, I think NFC you'll get in easily with ten wins. But I think AFC wise, ten. Wins. I don't even look at it as wins. I think that there's going to be a team that goes like seven and nine, and and beats every nfc opponent that they play mm-hmm. like there's going to be a really good playoff caliber team that finishes seven and nine yeah i i i wouldn't be surprised by that i think that i think the Patriots are a good team but i think they'll struggle because of the teams have got stronger around them and i think they'll probably win eight nine seven games and that'll be like they're a good I mean, you've team. got the bills you've got the chiefs you've got the broncos titans colts that's five the chargers right ravens and bengals uh, as well Ravens, Bengals, Steelers aren't going to be that good. That's that's a lot of really powerful teams that would win just about any conference that they're in inside the NFC. Yeah, without doubt, without doubt. But that is the end of this episode of the Chargers season preview. So thank you once again, Tyler, for coming on. Did you want to talk about the magazine? That was my next point. So my final point before we go, I'll give you a chance to promote your magazine and also promote your podcast as well for any Chargers fans that are listening. Essentially, I, I just told everybody I'm, I'm a podcaster. I'm a writer. Uh, we used to write for the same network. I think I was the editor for you and when you yes. were a writer. Yeah. So um, I actually write an annual Chargers-based magazine. Um, this edition, I'm calling the Sean Merriman edition. I actually getting Sean Merriman to sign 20 copies, which wow. is really, really cool. Um, it's a 60 page, uh, recap of the previous season and a preview of this upcoming season. Um, and essentially I just write about the entire whole last year. And, uh, like I said, it's Sean Merriman is signing some of these copies, uh, PDFs totally free. If you want a PDF of this magazine that I wrote, I will send it to you free of charge. I do charge for physical copies, mainly just try to make back whatever money I spent on printing these. Um, it is kind of expensive to print and ship, but uh, it's it's my annual project that takes me a whole year to write. I have a ton of fun writing it, uh, and it's called the Shock Therapy Magazine. Um, 
I'd love to show you guys. Maybe I'll I'll send a clip over to you and maybe you can put it at the end of your podcast or whatnot. Yeah, definitely. I will definitely want us a podcast comes out on socials. We will obviously link it. I, I read it. I, I only read the first, I'd say the first six pages, but from what I saw, it was it was really good, really well made. And I think that for a Chargers fan, especially, I think they would absolutely love this. And I think that it would be um a good read for anyone. So I would recommend it to anyone who has who wants to read some Chargers content, or even non-Chargers fans, I'm sure. If you want to read something on the Chargers, then he's your man, Tyler's your man, and he'll get you a copy sent over to you. Yeah, so you can contact me on Twitter at LAC Shock Therapy or at LAC Masterbolt. Um, you can find me again on, I just went on YouTube, so LAC Shock Therapy on YouTube, LAC Shock Therapy on Instagram, on Facebook. I'm on all the major social media platforms. You can find my podcast on Apple Pods, Spotify, Google Pods, any place that you really find podcasts. Uh, I'm on all of them. Um, thank you so much for having me on, man. No problem. It was a pleasure. It's, nice, it's really nice to finally talk to you face-to-face rather than over um, Messenger or Twitter or something. So it was really good having you on, and I can't wait to meet up with you in, in LA and, and watch that game and watch Dolphins absolutely thrash the Chargers. That's not going to happen. <laughs> you never know. You never know. I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping for a miracle, but um, I think it'll be close. At least you know you need a miracle for it to happen. Well, so. I, I don't know. I think, I think Tyreek Kill could be a difference but as you said he's never really had a good game against the Chargers um yeah he's dynamic don't get me wrong he's dynamic and I really still like Tua I think that Tua just needed a coaching staff that was going to be behind him yeah finally has that Mm -hmm. Uh, he's one of the best you talk about mechanics like his footwork um he might not have the biggest arm but I think that he just needed a coaching staff to believe in him to start him to really just buy in on him as a full-time starter I mean He's had to like switch out with Jacoby Brissett and uh, um, what's his name? Fitzpatrick. Yeah, Fitzmagic. Yeah. So I think that this is his year where he's going to be able to prove some doubters wrong because I still think he can be a really good quarterback in this league. Brilliant. But yeah, that has been the end of the podcast. So thank you again, Tyler. And we will see you guys for the next one. All right. Thanks, guys.